Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is pretty exciting for us. Uh, TMBS, Mark Boris Show, uh, where today doing our podcast, our first podcast from Southern Cross Stereo Studios. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's, uh, you know, Triple M, Today FM. What's the other ones? That's basically it. That'll do me. Um, and uh, we're down here in Goldman Street. It's pretty cool. We've got a, finally got a proper studio. We had a proper studio before, but we've got a new studio and it's, I uh, feel like you're in the real tech heaven here. There's, there's fucking microphones and all sorts of shit over around the place. It looks cool. Um, I've got Nick and Nick, Fordo and Boris. Two Nicks uh, sitting here with me. Well, we're going to have a mag today. Uh, we don't have a guest, but we're just going to have a mag today about various things uh, because lots of stuff has sort of crossed our path and, you know, there's a lot, been a lot of news lately. Last night I was on um, Sky News, which is, uh, what's that? No, Sky Channel, which is uh, with Mark Lath and he's stepping in for Jones at the moment. And I spent 20 minutes with uh, Mark and uh, we talked about a whole lot of topics and some of the topics that are really important to me right at the moment, and I think probably across the board, uh, we were just going to chat about. We just had a quick briefing on it. The, the Nick, Nick you were on Fox Sports as well, mate? I, I, was, I was there in a supporting role. Ah, oh, supporting Sports. role. Yes, yes. Supporting role. We're all <laughs> yeah. over the joint. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about is this whole issue of energy security. I mean, what the fuck does it mean? Like mo- the most punters, let's break it down a little bit. Like, let's break it right down. There's two parts to it. Clearly security has the... Uh, you know, the uh, construction that, um, you know, is our country secure? I mean, we, we always talk about security. But more importantly, what that means, energy security, is do we have enough supply of gas and oil and coal-fired power, et cetera, to run electricity and cars and trucks, et cetera, and trains and all those sorts of things, airlines, in Australia based on our own resources, or will we run out? So there's been some uh, studies done more recently that suggest that if we don't start to change the way in which we our approach towards projects, new projects in this country, we will no longer be self-sufficient. Now, by the way, it's not as if we don't have enough resources. We have enough of the resources to be a world leader in this. But the debate at the moment is that a lot of states have stopped and or banned coal production, coal exploration and or gas production and or gas exploration because of environmental issues. Now, the the, the argument is should we be doing, uh, you know, windmills and all those other sorts of things, um, different types of energy uh, resourcing? The answer is obviously yes. But point being right now is should we also be abandoning those things in order to put ourselves at risk? Now, the issue is what does that mean? Well, last thing we want to be doing is, bloody importing oil and you know, we're importing more oil now than we've ever imported but we don't want to start importing stuff because it costs money. Well, how, break it down. What it really means is that 
if we have to pay more money because we have to import our energy from somewhere else because of environmental rules in our country that the Australian punter is going to be paying for it, the plumber's going to have more money for his diesel truck, the, the train's going to cost more money because, you know, they run on electricity power, which is you know, now going to be imported power. Everything is going to cost more money. So it's a real big issue. And it was a bloody big issue the other day when the Adele con- concert lights went out uh, in Adelaide, apparently. <clears throat> That's an issue too. That should never happen, you know what I mean? So there's a problem. Now, these other forms of um, power, you know, like windmills, et cetera, they're, they're great ideas, but they're actually they, they're intermittent in that they every now and then you don't get enough power, there's not enough wind. You know, like that's a problem. So we need a combined result and we need the combined result to um, make sure that our energy is secure. That's the first thing. The second thing has massive economic um, implications to us. Economics, you know, Trump, I mean, there's lots of things about Trump I don't like, but one of the Trump's five or six tenets, one is energy security for Americans to give Americans jobs and to promote America's economy. Because he's broken it down. He said, listen, if we can't get the cost of energy in our country down by being self-sufficient and producing lots and lots of gas and oil and electricity, we will be paying too much money for it, which means our economy will be loading up the price of goods and services because the cost of oil and gas is too high and or coal and or other electricity. That's pretty bloody simple. It's smart. And uh, I don't know why we can't just latch onto that and drive it. Um, Or is there some sort of problem in this country? Guys, what are you hearing? I I think... um you know, with the South Australia's rolling blackouts problem, I mean, yeah, you, you can't obviously you obviously can't um, favour those alternative energy sources, um, you know, at the expense of of energy stability in the in the city. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna look at any of those things, you need to um, you need that they only need to be that they should be there only as a backup, and maybe that Elon Musk um, proposition of having the battery system there in place is a good way of sort of having is a good way of storing that excess energy. So let's talk about Elon Musk. That's a good point. What has he done? What's Musk said? Now, he said there's all the way from America. Yeah. He said it online, but what has he said? Yeah, well, we were discussing that this morning, and uh, you know, I, I read a couple of news articles, and uh, as is always the case, they they. The facts are always a little bit, um, a little bit different from newspaper to newspaper. But I, I read the Australian because I think you know the Australian's probably a good example of the, of probably better journalism when it comes to um, report- not fake news. Yeah, re- <laughs> when it comes to reporting the facts, not fake podcasts. Um, and and apparently, um, El- you know, uh, Mike Cannon Brooks, founder of Atlassian, the um, you know uh, developer software solutions um, Atlassian, the Nasdaq listed company, um, a billionaire in his own right. You know, and often when a billionaire says something to another billionaire, the other billionaire listens. So um, it's great that we have one here that could make a shout out to someone. You know, one of the guys who's um, the you know the foremost um, energy pioneers of on the planet at the moment, Elon Musk. He asked him, you know, if he could fix the uh, South Australian energy problem, and uh, Elon Musk uh, responded, um, said that he could. Um, he actually said, um, Alex, uh, our sound guy, said that he uh, it was a solution, but uh, the Australian um, is actually saying that the solution can not only be conceived but actually put in place um, within 100 days of um, accepting the challenge. And if, not, so, and if not, it'll be free. So Okay, so for those who are listening, Elon Musk is the guy who's uh, got the Tesla car. What most people don't understand is the Tesla car is really about battery technology. Elon Musk has uh, – well, Tesla has developed – um, domestic batteries and or commercial batteries, like big form batteries, which can store energy. The big issue about solar power today is being able to store enough of it and actually being out. Because what happens, you 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 you, you uh, reap the pol- uh, solar energy off the roof and then if you don't have the ability to store it, 
it dissipates and you've got to go and get it again the next day off the off the roof. So what exactly. what the Tesla um, domestic and or commercial big, huge batteries now do is they can actually got really good high-quality storage at a price which is affordable. So what he's basically saying is I can store energy for you. Yeah, which you which you harvest from yep. solar or um, uh, you know whatever windmills etc. So on the day when and not just that, I mean from conventional energy and other places too, too yeah, and you yeah. can put it back into the grid. You can take it out of the grid. Yep. There's a whole series of things. So what he's doing yep. is connecting all the various aspects of energy harvesting up, which is very very important. So it, what's interesting is Elon Musk, an American, had to come in to the Premier of South Australia, and offer a solution for all South Australians. What does that tell you? It's embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. I mean, like, what do you think Adele thought? I heard there's 95,000 in the Sydney concert on the weekend. It's probably the same sort of number in Adelaide the other day. The lights went out. Well, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for for the government to, you know, while the the world eyes are on a... Uh, you know, on a on a global superstar, and there there it was in the middle of the concert. Lights go out. It's like know. a prank. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, and then and and I mean, for all you guys who are small business owners and budding entrepreneurs, what Elon Musk has done is a quite an important lesson for us. There are a number of other South Australian battery makers who may well uh, make batteries as good as or better, less price, more efficient than what Tesla makes. There may well be, and in fact, a few of them put their hands up more recently, saying, "Well, what about me? We're Australian. Why wouldn't you consider us?" Well, I'll fucking tell you why they won't consider us because they didn't get off their ass and say something. It took someone like Musk to get in there and actually get the debate going. And that's what an entrepreneur entrepreneur does. And that's what a, yeah. and they're ballsy and they get and have a crack. There's a stroke of genius from Mike Hannon Brooks to put, oh. that, put that tweet out, you know, because it, it did become global news and, and then, it, you know, stoked the fire. And now a lot of other um, competitors are coming in and creating that competitive tension you need to get a good deal. It's another example yeah. of if you want to get your brand out there or you want to get yeah. some, you know, some sort of recognition or acknowledgement acknowledgement or awareness of who you are, Cannon Brooks is a good example. He just sat there one night and tweeted off and the next thing you know he's gone global, the next thing you know you've got a result, the next thing you know we may well have a solution to battery uh, to power storage in Adelaide as a result of what Tesla may do or it may just create a solution which the government then decide to go to tender and get the best possible price and some lucky South Australian battery maker might actually end up being on the grid. So it's a great story to me, but it's not really just about how the politicians are talking about it because let's just break it down. We're Australians. We're all interested in making sure we run our businesses efficiently, we live efficiently, we, and we live happily with power and, and, and you know, power and fuel. Um, so let's, let's all buy into the debate. We need to know about this debate. We need to start to talk about it, not just leave it at the political level because all you're going to get there is argy-bargy arm wrestling between the Greens and the Libs and the Coalition and the Country Party or the Nationals, whatever they call themselves these days, and the Labor guys. It's going to be argy-bargy bullshit arm wrestling and they're all going to have they're all their agendas and different interests. They're going to be doing trade-offs left, right and centre. And at the end of the day, we're going to be ones that suffer, which is the reason why South Australia's lights went out in the first place. Yeah, and the other thing as well, Mark, if you look at um, if it just remained at a government level, this debate, and it didn't involve Elon Musk or, or Cannon Brooks, that it wouldn't be as highlighted, uh, highlighted to the level that it is. You know, having now these guys involved is putting enormous pressure back on the government. Um, so they need to come up with a, a solution pretty quickly. Well, you had an hour-long conversation with um, with Elon Musk, to, to Ma- uh, Malcolm Turnbull, according to The Australian, that is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, when does... When does the prime? We've been trying to get the prime minister on the show forever now. When does when does he when does he pick up the phone? Only when a you know a international billionaire uh, who's got global recognition calls, um, you know, and and only in the face of a you know a South Australian energy crisis, you know. I mean, 
it needs to be more proactive than that. You know, there are there are hundred. You know, there are a million other problems going on in the country at the moment, and uh, you know, for, for it to be that like, I mean, I think you should have the prime minister's ear on less serious issues than that, as well as a serious problem. Well, it's interesting that you do because yeah. it's it really. I think there's probably a lot of people have been thinking about the Elon Musk solution. A lot of battery suppliers, a lot of people like yeah. big thinkers. But the bottom line in this country is everyone's too scared to say anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was again, I was with Lathan on last night. And he's one of those guys who's not prepared to. He is prepared to say something. In fact, he says whatever he thinks, and a lot of times it's provocative. But where has provocation gone? I mean, where has independent thinking gone? Everybody thinks, oh, it's politically un- incorrect. I better not say anything, or I'm going to offend somebody, or, uh, or when you are preparing to say something. In the old days, you could just say what you thought, and you know, Jones and Co. style, Jonesy style, and it got out there. At least the, the debate started. But today, everybody sits down, sanitises, filters. And checks with the PR guy, checks with the compliance department, checks, 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 and you decide, no, I better water this down. It's completely diluted and you've got nothing to say. Um, and that brings me to the next topic. The next topic is the whole, and it's an important topic, of diversity within, say, business environments, diversity just generally within schools and education programs. The, there is a, to me, there's a conflict. I agree that nobody should be denied um, to the ability to do something or the opportunity to do something because of race, colour, creed, sexuality, etc. 100%. I'm on side. There's no debate there. But what I'm not, um, what I'm against, and I'd like to hear what you guys got to say, and especially the t- you two guys because you're in a different generation to me. Should diversity be lifted up onto a platform at the expense of merit? Now, what I'm saying here is meritorious appointment to me should be the only reason why a person gets appointed to a particular role or job. It doesn't matter whether it's a plumber or, a, you know, the Prime Minister of Australia or a political person. board of directors as board well? Board of directors. Like, it should be meritorious. Because, yeah. you know, look, I, I was listening to the radio this morning and I heard on the ABC, which is one of the uh, major pushes of um, diversity um, at the cost of merit, um, I heard on the radio this morning that they said that in uh, there's a big uproar about now that Singapore children and Singaporean schools are one and a half years in mathematics and two years in science ahead of Australian equivalent children at the same age, etc. Um, and there is a reason for that. Nobody bothered to say it on the ABC this morning, but the reason for that is because they seek excellence in Singapore. We are seeking diversity. Now, this has gone right through the system, right up into, uh, you know, big list of public companies, banks and uh, BHP, well, I won't say BHP, but, you know, everybody. So my question is, if we are going to be a country of excellence and we're going to be a country who achieves great things and if we're going to be a country who's got a great technology basis and if we're going to do what the Prime Minister wants us to do, be the innovative country, the ideas nation, we must reward excellence and, with, and acknowledge the merit and not let the – otherwise yeah. you're going to be sitting around, we're going to be a whole lot of people, we're going to be nice and diverse, but we're not going to have to achieve any because we're going to be – we're not going to have new forms of battery power storage. We're not going to have new forms of battery harvest uh, power harvesting because no one's going to be encouraged to be excellent anymore and they're not going to be rewarded for their merits. And as a result of that, we're not going to be anywhere and we're going to be paying too much and we're going to be paying through the nose. And the poor plumber, his diesel is going to cost him three times what it's cost him today because we are too worried about diversity. Is that an argument? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I find it, you know, um, so, 
so surprising still when I um when you see like a board of directors at a bank and they have this mandate that they need at least two female directors or you know um even in places like you know when I was in South Africa a couple of years ago um you know after apartheid and um you know the uh, national party Mandela all that sort of stuff they've got uh, these rules now on the Johannesburg stock exchange that you know companies need to be uh, um, half owned by um, na- by Indigenous African people. Um, the boards need to make up a certain percentage of that, and it's just, I mean, uh, absolutely equality um, for the win. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it, it, in some instances it's at the expense of of good quality people. Um, I mean, you know, and that that works in the reverse as well. Like if I was, you know, if there was a, you know, what's what's a good um, example? Like ACP, if, if it's still around, you know, the, the company that owns all the women's magazines. I mean, seeing a, a board a board of, um, you know, if it's a board of ten and there's four male directors there that haven't even that that wouldn't read the magazine even if it was the only um, thing to read in the dunny, um, is is just silly to me. You know, like why not have a, a full board of female um, directors? Obviously, they understand the company. They're the ones governing the way the company operates, its strategy going forward. Um, well, they know the marketplace. Absolutely. I mean, like, what, why not just ha- why not have the best people that, that can lead the company in the best direction? Uh, and it's about best. And yeah. I think that's an important point. And it's about best because what we don't want to do, you gave the, the Johannesburg example, we don't want to go back to apartheid, obviously. We don't want to go back to a point where, you know, no, you know, native, native indigenous South African can be on a board or own. We're not looking for that. But we've gone too, the pendulum swung way too far. And uh, as a result, swinging way too far. What I'm worried about is is actually taking away our competitive edge edge as a nation in terms of, you know, our government is continually prosecuting this issue about being great at science, technology, maths and engineering, all those sorts of subjects. We need to do more of it. At the same time, we're not, uh, we're not, the young kids are being taught in schools as they go through. Look, don't be too competitive. You know, it's not good because little Johnny over there, he's trying hard. And, you know, even though you're much better naturally talented, little Johnny, little Johnny there should get a go. Yeah, give him a go. But like what happened when I was playing footy, there was an A grade, a B grade, a C grade, D grade, E grade, F grade. The kids in F grade, you know, they weren't expected to be you know, equal to the kids in A grade skill. But what you're hoping is the kid in F grade then decides, well, hang on, I'm going to be better at music or I'm going to be better at mathematics. But it doesn't mean you pick the kid from F grade and put him in A grade just to build a diversity. It's acceptable these days to be mediocre and, and, and that's why I haven't seen big business these days that, you know, once you once you have that culture within a business that, you know, people are afraid to make decisions, um, yeah, you know, people sit on their hands too often that, you know, and, and that's why... I think it's um, I think it's a major problem moving forward in terms of our society. You know, people aren't empowered to make decisions. People don't take yeah. risks. Um, you know, it becomes a very vanilla way of approaching business and life. So I, I think it's a major issue. Well, I don't know Malcolm Turnbull so well now since he's been the Prime Minister, but I knew Malcolm Turnbull reasonably well in, through different circles when he was a lawyer and then when he was with Packer and then later on with Neville Rand, et cetera. Malcolm Turnbull, our Prime Minister, is one of the smartest and most intelligent and was one of the most ruthless people I've ever met in terms of prosecuting an outcome. I don't mean horrible ruthless. I mean driven to get an outcome, whether it was winning a defamation case or whether it was, uh, you know, promoting his book or, you know, like doing something for Kerry Pack or whatever it was. And I thought him being the Prime Minister of the country would put our country in a, a very safe pair of hands in terms of those things that could go wrong, but also in a very solid, strong pair of hands in actually driving agendas and making our country change, yeah. building our results edge. Results-driven. Yeah. Results-driven, correct. Yeah. 
and he's a great entrepreneur. He's, he's done a lot of great things as an entrepreneur as well um, and ahead of everybody else. Yet even Malcolm, or should I say our Prime Minister, um, has to me more recently fallen into this um, abyss where it, it's like he doesn't quite want to say what he really, really thinks. And and I and I mean and recently he had a good crack at Shorten in Parliament. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was so good and so refreshing. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was he yeah, ripped. Yeah, yeah, he was he, doing calling him totally ripped. Yeah. And he showed a little bit of what the Malcolm Turnbull that I I knew of. And I got a feeling the the system today has even smothered our Prime Minister. The system of consensus. Oh, I better check. I better check with over here. I better check over there. And by the way, I better make sure I don't upset. Um, Xenophon, I better make sure I don't check, uh, upset Pauline Hanson. I better make sure I don't upset this particular individual in the Senate. And I better make sure I don't upset all the PR people below me. I don't want to upset the Australian. I don't want to upset the ABC. I don't or want even to upset- your own party. In your own party, correct. Internally with, my, with the faction here, the right faction, the left faction, the centre-left faction. And as a result of that, nothing happens. Yeah. And, and the other thing as well, Mark, in, encouraging people to go on gut instincts. I mean, we've always, everyone's always talked about that, but I mean, it's, that's almost going to be, become a thing of the past where, you know, people are going to be so fearful of going on gut instinct and sometimes going on your gut instinct is right. But if sometimes it's wrong, well, it's fine to make mistakes, but we're going to breed a culture of people that, um, you know, every, as you said, everything's going to be washed and sanitized and fearful of making a mistake and... We're going to go backwards. Yeah. Well, we used to call it like many years ago paralysis analysis by um, paralysis by analysis. Like you just analyze things so much and overthink things so much, you don't do, end up doing anything. Yeah. I mean, Nike, you know, they're famous for say just says just do it. You know, and that's that's a great attitude. Just yeah. do it. Go and yeah. do it. Yeah. And, Richard Branson says that as well. Screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you great entrepreneurs do do it. And if you do it that way, and they yeah. think of it and they go out and execute. I mean, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're a small business owner or and or you're a budding entrepreneur and or you're a startup, don't adopt that process. Whatever you do, get involved. Get the people into your business. You can. And I'm not saying don't have diversification. I'm not saying being a narc and just pick all blokes or all women or. Nobody with a sexual difference to you. I'm not saying that for God's sake, but don't get me wrong. But I am saying just don't overanalyze things. Get out there and do it, and 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 make some mistakes. Sometimes it's better to apologize than it is to ask for permission. For permission. It's probably um, some some of them. I'm just thinking about some of the some of the best entrepreneurs out there, the most successful, most recognized, and um, I think they're the ones that are probably like less inclined to adopt um, academic process and method. Um, I mean, yeah, thinking about Richard Branson, I mean, obviously I think he dropped out of high school, obviously doesn't really like to review things too too much, probably probably doesn't go past the second page on a, on a big lengthy document. Um, Jack Ma from Alibaba is probably one of the same. You know, he's well, Kerry Packer not, used to not say, an academic. Kerry Packer's not an academic. Yeah, Kerry Packer used to say, if it's not in one page, yeah. don't send it to me. Yeah. It had to be in one page. If it's not in one page. Yeah. I mean, I do it in my business. I don't want people sending me reams and reams yeah. of pages. A, I don't have time, but B, I lose interest after the first three or four paragraphs. Mm. Just tell me the first paragraph what the problem is and the second paragraph what's the solution. Mm. That's what you're paid for. Yeah, exactly. Just do it and, uh, and let's just not sort of worry about all the stuff on the edge. You know, like uh, when I was talking to Lathan last night, one of the things that struck me when I was driving home from the, the Sky Studios is that, you know, we got to get our primary points of life up there as a priority as a government. We've got to get some things prioritised. The first and most important thing that needs to be prioritised is jobs. We all must have the ability, we must have a job because if we don't have a job, we can't earn any money. If we don't earn any money, we don't pay any tax, which means the government's got no money, which means you can't pay everyone who's working for the government. 
And if we don't earn any net money after we pay our tax, we can't can't rent a house, can't buy a house, we can't we can't put our kids through school, we can't eat food, we can't put clothes on our on ourselves, we can't enjoy our lives in the slightest bit. So everything we do in this country, in my view, every decision that is made in this country should be made for a list of five primary things. And the first primary thing I'll be putting up there is jobs, job security. That includes when you look at electric uh, power security, energy security. It should be in relation to jobs. Every single decision, immigration should be looking, immigration policy should be looked at in relation to jobs. Job security should be number one. And all the other stuff, diversity and blah, 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 should, should always be on the edge and we should be always considering it. But job security should be number one. What else we got talking about today, boys? One of the, uh, something that was on my mind was um, was definitely the uh, you know Pauline Hanson, ex contestant on your show. Um, Wasn't she great? You know, out of jail, back into politics, um, and now sort of really getting some momentum in Parliament, um, especially on the issue of, of of labour rates and penalty rates on weekends. And I think she, you know, what for all Pauline Hanson is, uh, you know, I, I I always try to look past the person and look at the point, and uh, I think she makes a, a valid point with her labour rates and penalty rates Which on is? weekends. You know, basically scrapping them, you know, and and trying to encourage small businesses to to hire more employees on weekends. Um, giving them a better chance of staying in business and keeping the existing employees that they have, um, and which will ultimately, you know, help the economy and grow small businesses in in this country. What would you say to youngest brother Jimmy, who lives with us at the moment, that's still living with us? Yeah, he, um, he'd hate he, it. Obviously, he gets uh, he works for his oldest brother on weekends because he gets the uh, penalty <laughs> rates. What is what would you say to Jimmy? What would well, you say to him? Well, suck it up. What would you say? Well, look, I look, I'd say, you know, look, I'd, it's, it's, it, you're talking to the, you're talking to the wrong side of the equation there. You know, the people that have jobs that that are um, benefiting from penalty rates at the moment. But I think you know something to pacify those people is like, listen, you know, um, long term, it's you, you, you take away the penalty rates, um, there's a better chance of your employer staying in business and and the stability of your job in general. You know, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, and, and not not. You know, you not being out of a job in twelve months if the business closed down due to financial distress. I, I don't even understand the debate in a intellectual sense. I do not know why someone should get paid more money because they work on a Sunday. I mean, yeah, the old days when Sunday, like going back when I was a kid, Sunday, no one worked. It was church day. Shops weren't open. Pubs weren't open. Yeah, I get it because that was the day off. And if for some reason you had to work, there may have been some sort of logic why you got paid a penalty because you're missing out on something else. Yeah. But those days in the old, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you used to have uh, lunch with your family on Sunday. That was roast day. You had a lo- roast lunch, roast dinner with your family or roast lunch. So you were missing out. So, yeah, I can get why you get paid penalty rates. But today, Monday, Sunday, Wednesday, I mean, they're all Seven a day. They're all day. Every day is a day, you know, like, you know, it, it's just like we're a global economy, we're part of a global economy. Everything's sort of merged and it's just bullshit that you get paid more money on a Sunday Absolutely. or a Saturday. Well, any, anyone who works weekends anyway, they usually get a, a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday off. Well, that's know? why they, Jimmy's they, brother loves it yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, he can, he, can, he can start work at four in the afternoon, finish at 11 at night or 10 at night, then he can go out with his mates yeah, and he's getting paid double it. time or whatever it yeah. is and he's costing his older brother double the amount of money. Yeah. Um, it's just dumb. It doesn't make yeah. sense. And, and, and the str- look, the struggle really, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we've got a new uh, t- TV show on the world and we're, you know, we're, I've, I've been fielding the inquiry for um, from a, a lot of small businesses. Um, I think we had over 800 emails come in, um, you know, hundreds of video submissions telling us about the struggle. Um, 
these guys are really struggling to keep their doors open, you know, and to take a little bit of pressure off with those weekend rates. And a lot of businesses are operating operating 24-7 um, and, you know, employees are geared towards certain times of the day, certain days of the week. Um, you're right that, you know, uh, there, sh- there shouldn't be any, any, any strain on the business for being open and servicing that the public on a weekend and after 7 p.m. at night, you know, there, or- there's, there's no logic apply, uh, whatsoever. And if you, and if you don't want to work on Saturday night, because you're only going to get paid normal time, then don't take the job. I'll get I'll, a nine I'll, to five Monday to Friday. I'll guarantee someone will come and take the job. It's, it's not as if it's difficult to find. You don't have to pay double the rate to find someone to do the work. Yeah. You'll always find someone. There's plenty of people out there who work on a Saturday evening, yeah. There's lots of, you know, people around who want extra work, extra job, and they'll do it for normal rates. And I don't see – I just think it's wrong. I think the government is going down the right path, although they've now got a whole lot of issues around it. I think – I don't know whether it's Pauline – it's not really Pauline Hansen's policy. I mean, she ran a fish and ship shop. I guess she probably knows it was like to pay, you know, time and a half and double time and all that sort of stuff, particularly on public holidays. Um, I'm not going to let her own it, to be honest with you. Um, this – I mean, she's bloody good at coming out and owning a, a concept. I mean, and uh, she's such a good political um, player. Um, but, Pauline, you don't a- own the concept. Um, that's been owned a long time. It's been getting pushed around and argued and debated for many, many years. Um, you know who owns that concept, Pauline? The small business community. And the small business community has been talking about it for a long time. The only difference is the small business community has never been represented by anybody. Malcolm Turnbull? Here's an opportunity to represent the small business community. There's 2.5 million of them. They employ 60% of all people in this country. They pay their superannuation. They pay their tax for all these people. Um, you know, they're underrepresented. Mate, if you want two and a half million votes, I'd go and own it. What do we reckon, guys? We're done, eh? 100%. Yeah, we're done. I, um, I think next week, if Nico, as you talked about uh, this pro- special project that we're working on at the moment and getting out to small businesses and asking them about the struggles that they're facing at the moment, that maybe next week we might even highlight some of those struggles and, you know, the feedback that we're getting from businesses because I think it's a um, – Absolutely. I think it's just scratching the surface on a, on a major issue, you know, in the Australian business community at the moment of, of um, letting the small guys have a, uh, have a microphone and, you know, you know, communicate what the struggle – the real struggles are. And they're getting walked over the top of. And if you're a small business owner or a business owner for that matter um, – Come and talk to us on LinkedIn and come to our website, but come to Mark Bora Show or, or alternatively go to us on LinkedIn. Look at the stuff we're talking about. I want to say like, we won't be able to reply to you because we get so many people talk to us, but give us your message because we do read it. If we don't reply, it doesn't mean we didn't read it or we don't care about what you said. We have read it. We just cannot, simply cannot get back to everybody. It's just too many emails coming in or too many um, messages coming in on LinkedIn. But keep them going. We are harvesting that information, harvesting those complaints, harvesting all those inquiries, and we're sort of trying to map it out and put it into a, like a, a library of stuff that we want to talk about. And we have, we have done a, a couple of um, videos for LinkedIn where we have addressed some of the issues and uh, they are issues that all Australian small business owners are experiencing. So you might be able to find out some of the solutions that other people have engaged with or, and or it's always good to know that you're not the only one with the problem too if you watch the video. So go to LinkedIn, go to the Mark Show website, um, keep telling us what's going on and uh, we're really enjoying reading it. Thanks very much. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Boris. And find out more at markboris.com.au. Listener.